Since 2015, Pop Health Podcast has brought to you some of the best minds in healthcare, including leaders from government, not-for-profit, and investor-backed powerhouses, as they share successes, failures, and how our audience can move forward in today's constantly evolving healthcare world. Thank you for joining us for today's episode presented by 24-Hour Home Care. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. I'm Gavin Ward, host of Pop Health Podcast. In today's episode, I had the opportunity to sit down with Bo Henneman, who serves as the Regional Vice President for Performance and Local Plan Engagement with Anthem Blue Cross, specifically with a focus on the Medi-Cal population. In today's episode, we learn how Bo, who originally grew up in Missouri, got a degree in marketing and made his way out to California and ended up working with the temp agency through the in-home support services program here in LA County. That was the spark and start of his career in healthcare. In today's episode, we learned how Bo ultimately became an expert in Medi-Cal and is seen as a leader throughout the state of California with the CalAIM initiative, where he helps lead Anthem's team, serving 1.5 million members in their Medi-Cal bucket, if you will, for the Elevance Health brand of companies. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Feel free to check out other episodes of Pop Health Podcast by visiting us at pophealthpodcast.com, checking out our YouTube channel, or listening to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks, everybody. Enjoy today's episode. Good morning, Bo. Thanks so much for joining the show today. Good morning, Evan. How's it going? So far, so good. We're recording on a Friday and uh, looking forward to a great weekend, but love the work I do. How are you doing today? Doing well. Thank you. Great. So, Bo, you may know on our shows, uh, we typically like to get to know the guest a little bit before we jump into the meat and potatoes of uh, our episode. And so for you, uh, let's start off with maybe a fun fact, maybe something surprising about you that folks may not think would be connected to you. Oh, man. Uh, I don't know. Fun, a fun fact or, or something people don't know. That's that's a tough one. You know, I, I, I don't know that I have a lot of hidden secrets or, or fun facts, just, uh, you know, typical guy too, got a, got a wife, two kids, a dog. Um, maybe, maybe one thing that most people wouldn't know, which is kind of odd is, you know, I, I live in the center of LA and for, for about 10 years, we also had three chickens in our backyard. Uh, and, uh, not an experience that I would recommend to anyone necessarily. They were, they were kind of a, a pain to deal with and, you know, leave a mess everywhere. But uh, at the same time, best eggs you'll ever eat come from from home raised chickens. And so, you know, they've they've moved on. We did it in the middle of the city. It was my wife's idea, not mine. Although I'm the one who ended up doing all the work. And uh, oh yeah, <laughs> so you know, it, it happens in the middle middle of the city. A lot a lot of people don't know you can do that. But yeah. yeah. And was there any roost? Did you ever have a rooster or no? No, that the city won't let you have. That's they they make too much noise. Yep. That's what I was going to wonder. Both uh, my sister and my mom actually have chickens. And so uh, um, I heard they rate, did they really lay eggs like once a day? Is that? Once a day. That once is... a day. We okay. had a overabundance giving them away. But yeah, they were, they were good eggs. I bet. That's awesome. Cool. So did you grow up in LA or, or where did you grow up? Uh, I did not grow up in LA. I actually grew up in the Midwest in a, a, a pretty small town in, in the state of Missouri. Um, in rural Missouri, a couple hours south of St. Louis. Okay, great. So you grew up out there. Uh, did you end up going to mm -hmm. school, like, college out there as well? Or I, I did. I went to University of Missouri for, for my undergrad. When I graduated, and I got my car and drove across the country, and I've been in L.A. ever since. 
Okay, so tell us uh, in school, what did you study? Uh, I actually have a business degree, so I, I studied marketing. Um, and you know, at the at the time, it was well, it was, I was I don't regret that. You know, it was a, a great degree and and very fascinating going through like all the different components of marketing, from marketing research to, to advertising and everything else. But uh, yeah, it turns out when you graduate with a marketing degree, a lot of the jobs are sales, and uh, that didn't do it for me. So I, I kind of pivoted and ended up in healthcare. Okay, so tell us. So you're in Missouri. You study marketing. You get your degree. Mm-hmm. What attracted you to come out to LA? Um, just just wanted to get out of Missouri. <laughs> to tell to tell you the truth, you know, I I spent some time in college traveling around Europe, and and you know, really wanted to experience different parts of the world, and you know, graduated and had an opportunity to come out to the West Coast, and and you know, thought it was going to be short term, and it had ended up uh, being a uh, being here for the long haul, it seems. Okay, awesome. So a question for folks who've spent a bunch of time in one state and then uh, now live elsewhere or have been elsewhere for a while, where do your sports loyalties lie? Uh, well, so so I am a diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan. That will, will never change. Um, I am an LA Rams fan, but they were in St. Louis when I, when I lived yes. in Missouri. And so, you know, they eventually followed me here. Um, <laughs> but, but, you know, in terms of, of basketball and, and hockey, I, I stick with LA, the Clippers and the Kings. That's, those are my teams. Go Kings go. I know about those Cardinals. I'm a Dodger fan and growing up mm-hmm. um, there, there was some good, uh, even though we're not, maybe I believe there's a rivalry. Some people may not agree with that, but uh, yeah. Cardinals had our number. Of, uh, I've been to a few of those games, Cardinals versus Dodgers, and I can't remember the blue ever winning. So um, we we had Kershaw's number for a while. So uh, you know that's that's not easy not easy to do to get to that guy. But definitely, uh, they, definitely not. They were doing unless, it for a long time. I was going to say, unless it's playoffs, usually teams have better success. <laughs> <laughs> playoffs. That's great. So you come out to LA, and how did you end up mm-hmm. finding uh, healthcare or connecting with healthcare? Yeah, I kind of I kind of stumbled into it to tell you the truth. When I when I came out to LA, you know, after a few months, I was was looking for a job and trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, and and um, you know, started in just doing temp work, and and through my temp work, I got assigned to the in home supportive services public authority in Los Angeles County, and you know, kind of came into it not having any idea what in home services is you know for those who aren't familiar with that program it is a home care program it's the state's personal care attendant program allows people to who need assistance at home and who are on medical to to hire a family member a friend or or a complete stranger to come in and help them out with their daily needs right and so you know really started with that organization as as the public authority model was was just standing up in in the state had no idea what it was, but but quickly latched onto it and and found you know a, a lot of meaning and purpose in what I was doing on a day to day basis. And I, I think you know what really stuck. Uh, the reason that I, I I stuck with it and and got so invested in it is uh, you know I had two grandparents growing up who who had dementia um, and and spent many years in in skilled nursing facilities and. And, uh, you know, they were in a locked unit in the skilled nursing facility and they needed to be there. You know, they'd gotten to the point where, you know, they needed that level of care. 
but you know the the facility that they were in was kind of in the back of uh of uh, the lock unit was in the back of the nursing facility right so every time you go visit you have to walk through the entire facility and and you know really just experiencing like that walk every time of experiencing people who look like they didn't really need to be there you know like if they had other types of support in their life you know maybe they could could have a better quality of life at at that stage and you know that's what IHSS does, right? Like that's yeah. kind of the, the whole goal of that and, and the broader home community-based services was to, um, uh, you know, support people and, and support their independence and allow them to live at home and uh, as, as long as possible. And, you know, that, that kind of always just like stuck with me. And, you know, as I said at the beginning, I graduated and like, it's like all these jobs being a salesperson and I, you know, it's like, this is way better. You know, this is, this is something that has a positive impact on people and, um, so that's kind of how I got started. And then, you know, obviously that's a big gap between that and what I do now at a, at a, at a managed care health plan. But, you know, really the, the transition was when, when long-term services and supports started getting integrated with managed care, you know, I had an opportunity to, uh, you know, move from just working with IHSS to, to kind of this broader scope of services and, and, and really work on that, that integration within the healthcare system, which at that time was, you know, two completely different siloed uh, themes that people were getting. So what was your first, so you're at IHSS, which has Mm -hmm. a strong connection to to the CalAIM initiative, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. Um, So when did you make that first move? Or do you mind me asking where, where was next for you? I I actually, I spent some time working for LA Care Health Plan. um, uh, And that was when the the state so I, I ended up at the public authority for almost 12 years so you know you oh, start wow. out as a temp and then all of a sudden 12 years has gone by and and you know you're still there doing this work um but but you know back about 10 10 11 years ago when the state started looking at that carve-in of long-term services and supports through the the uh, california coordinated care initiative um you know that was that was the opportunity because at that point ihss was was part of that integration um, and, you know, really seeing that as a, as an opportunity because, you know, really with IHSS, like every day we were doing a lot for people, right. And, and really supporting them in every way that we could, but there were so many gaps that couldn't be met through IHSS. And so, you know, I really saw a lot of promise in that integration in the broader healthcare delivery system and, you know, had that opportunity to, uh, to, to move into the managed care world and, and, and start, you know, looking at things more holistically and, and, and looking at bigger impacts on people. And so, you know, that was kind of the start of, of my managed care journey. And that was, that was about, yeah, it was about 11 years ago. I, okay. I think when that happened, were you working in the tall building downtown or, or elsewhere? I was working in the tall building downtown. Yeah, I was. Yeah, that's great. I've been there before. And, uh, Hard to hard to find a lot of food spots uh, with an easy walking distance sometimes, but <laughs> yeah. So you were at LA Care for a few years, and tell us, uh, you know, what was the opportunity that that brought you to Anthem? Um. So so when I came to Anthem, it was it was another wave of change, and I'm sure that's like a theme in your your podcast, right? Because in yeah. California, we're constantly going through change, or at least have been over the last five or ten years. Um, you know, at LA Care spent time really building up their long-term services and supports program with with a couple of other uh, people, and and you know started looking at things from, you know, really just kind of initially looking at things like housing and food insecurity, which were things outside of the long-term services and support scope, and and looking at 
you know, how do you start to integrate these things and pull all the pieces together? Um, and that was about the time that the state started implementing the, the health homes pilots, as well as the whole person care pilots uh, with the counties throughout the state. And so, uh, you know, Anthem had, had developed a position and, and uh, started building a team to support those types of initiatives. And, and that's where the opportunity arose for, for me to, uh, to continue growing within this field and, and, you know, really go from beyond just IHSS to LTSS, but looking at, you know, this broader group of services. And so uh, when I came on board with, with Anthem, uh, which was about, about seven and a half years ago now, um, you know, started with working on health homes, whole person care, uh, looking at the integration of LTSS and, and a couple of other things uh, along with it. That's great. So I think a lot of us in healthcare, you're using these acronyms that I know, yes. understand, right? That mm-hmm. you, that for you is like a language you, you're fluent in. Uh, one of the acronyms we hear out there is HCBS. Mm-hmm. Here in California, HCBS is, at least in my world and my day job, is having a bigger role in, in more uh, support, more funding, uh, more integration. So what is HCBS, maybe in layman's terms? Yeah, I, I usually think about it with a in a very broad definition, right? Because because you're right when when HCBS, which is home and community based services, is talked about in the state. A lot of times we connect it to certain Medicaid waiver programs, and and we look at it from a funding source perspective, and and you know types of services where you can pull down certain types of uh, you know dollars from from uh, from from the federal government, different things like that, right? But but really, I, I think about it as, as really just this broad scope of services that are provided in the community that, that do what IHSS does, right, is, is really support that person and their ability to stay living in their community safely to, to get the support and services that they need. Um, so, so, you know, they can they can age in place at, at home and and. And it's not, you know, not just about aging in place. It's also about, you know, kind of the daily needs of, of an individual, regardless of age. And so, you know, I tend to think about, you know, this broad umbrella of services, which would include uh, in-home supportive services. It would include some of the, the case management programs that we've stood up with community-based providers through CalAIM. It does include addressing food insecurity and, and housing needs, right? Um, services to uh, support caregivers and 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 support like that day to day personal care need that the person has. It, it's really in my mind like just this large bucket of of services available in the community that somebody needs to get through the, the through day to day living, right? And 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 um, so so yeah, that's that's kind of how I I always summarize it. But you're you're right, like. You you know you can ask a whole bunch of different state agencies or federal agencies or different states and they they all have slightly different definitions. So I, I like to keep it pretty broad. No, that makes sense. Um, so in your role at Anthem, you kind of lead some of these initiatives and efforts. Can you tell us a little bit about your role today? Um, yeah, my my role today. So so Anthem. For, for you know, listeners who, who aren't familiar with Anthem Blue Cross, we are part of Elevance Health, which is a, a big national organization in the state of California. We do business under under the Anthem Blue Cross name, and you know, my role is specific to to the Medi-Cal program in California. Um, so today, we have uh, coverage in 29 counties, and we serve over 1.5 million members through the the Medi-Cal program. 
And, and um, you know, I do have responsibilities that are related to, to our quality management initiatives, um, to our, our local engagement efforts, so working closely with our county partners and, and other CBOs in the community um, to make sure we're, we're meeting those local needs. Um, our, our community outreach and, and marketing efforts, uh, uh, I have oversight of those. Um, as well as some of, of the incentive work that we do that's that's come on from CalAIM. Um, also spent a lot of time over the last several years standing up CalAIM. So, you yeah. know, really working on uh, that transition from health homes to the enhanced care management pilot, as well as, you know, working with our team to stand up the, the community supports, um, which include a lot of those things that I mentioned under that HCBS bucket, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so 1.5 million members. I mean, you're clearly just that's just on the medical side. I really appreciate right. though giving the um, kind of the the Elevens Health umbrella and how Anthem has different um, business or lines of business. I guess you can say mm -hmm. um, right 1.5 million members, and that's bigger than some states. So obviously, it is a big importance as one of the larger providers here in California. So you mentioned market market marketing oversight so hey that marketing degree i mean maybe it, can come mm -hmm. in and it, it came it came back it came back yeah eventually full circle um so one of the things you know about your role is uh, a phrase local engagement mm -hmm. can you help our audience understand when they hear the term like plan engagement or local engagement what does that mean exactly from your role or lens yeah i mean you know again when you think about it we, like I said, we're a big national organization and, and, you know, I support our state level efforts, but California is a huge state, right? And, um, you know, in the counties that we cover, there's a, a huge variance in needs and um, based on, on what the community needs, um, as well as resources in each one, right? So, so you know, we, we have coverage, we partner with LA Care Health Plan to support Medi-Cal recipients in, in LA County. You know, we have close to 500,000 members in L.A. County and L.A. County is a lot of people and a lot of resources. Right. Um, still a lot of a lot of uh, needs in the community and areas where we're falling short, but very different than, uh, you know, say Alpine County or, or um, Inyo County. You know, some of those rural communities that are, are you know, mountain areas where, you know, we may only have uh you know, anywhere from a few hundred members to, to a couple thousand members. And, you know, the needs in those communities are, are very different, right? Yeah. Like at the core, like everybody from across the state seems to be, you know, struggling with food insecurity and housing and homelessness. Um, although, you know, you look at homelessness in Alpine County versus LA County, the numbers are very different, oh, yeah. but the struggle is, 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 is very similar, right? But how do you address those issues and, and who do you engage with and who are your community partners is very different from county to county. So when we talk about local engagement, it's really making sure that, you know, our, our teams are, are engaging with local county officials. We're working closely with, with uh, CBOs and other people in the community to really understand what the needs are of that specific community and figuring out how do we adjust our approach, right? Um, how do we how do we work in that community to, to to meet the needs? Because again, very different from you know LA County, where you know you think of something like even even access to care or access to to services. Um, you know, LA County, like the biggest challenge is well, you know, you got ten providers, and you know they're all within this ten mile radius, but it could still take you an hour and a half to get to one, right? Because yes, of because of traffic. 
versus, you know, some of our communities that are in, in the mountain region where, you know, on the map, it's like, oh, well, this should be easy to get from here to here and it's rural. So there's not going to be any traffic. No, but there's a big mountain in the middle of it. And, and, you know, the way you can, you construct your network and the way you build out these programs and services has to look different. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a big part of local engagement. I would say the other part for, for me, uh, part of our strong focus is, you know, local engagement isn't just making a couple of phone calls and, and, you know, uh, giving out grants to say, Hey, we support what you do. It's really being on the ground in those communities and, 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 and focusing on being trusted partners, right? Because healthcare is complex. It, it, it's not up to, to manage care plans to solely, uh, you know, solve all of healthcare's issues uh, across the state. Right. Um, it really requires working together with counties, with community-based partners, with the providers in our network, and 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 you know those using those joint efforts to meet the needs of of the medical membership in that community and so you know really believe strongly that you have to be on the ground and be engaged and 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 build trusted partnerships to do that and so that's that's kind of what we focus on uh in in terms of local engagement that's great and i've seen it firsthand um you know and just my i mentioned my day job earlier i've seen your staff you know, uh, on the ground in rural communities, mm -hmm. uh, bigger communities as well. And I am seeing those relationships. And one thing, just a shout out to Anthem and just the Calum initiative uh, in general is I used to think, you know, the health, the big bad health plans, you know, national Anthem organization, it could be intimidating for providers, right? It could, especially folks mm -hmm. who are new to being funded by the plans. And what I've found in my experience with Anthem and with other plans is when you guys say you're collaborative, you really are. Right. And so for the folks listening who uh, may work with Anthem or other and other Calum initiatives, um, the plans have been very collaborative, as has DHCS. And I've had to have a shift in my mind of instead of being intimidated, like, wow, they're really receptive to what we have to say. So I think everything mm -hmm. saying, I've seen it firsthand. Um, let's talk about the first year of Calum, our first two years, I guess. Yeah. Right. Because we're so Calum initially, I, my understanding was it was planned for 2021, but then COVID was a reason why I pushed back. I see you nodding. So 2022, yep. 20, we're almost done at 2023. In your couple of years, Bo, what would you say um, have been maybe some of the, the highlights or successes in the first couple of years? Yeah, um, to tell you the truth, the first couple of years, it, it feels like it's been 20 years, but it also feels <laughs> like it's it's gone by super fast. I, I can't believe we're already at the, the end of, of, of the second year. Um, I, I think, you know, the successes, so, sometimes, honestly, we, we have to pause and look at the success, right? Because I, I think the, the first couple of years has, has really been a whirlwind. You know, it started with focusing on at, at the beginning of 2022, okay, we've got these programs, health homes and whole person care, and they are going to go away. And we have people who we have members who are being served in those programs today, and we can't drop the ball on those members. We have to make sure that they can continue getting the support that they need. Right. So that was kind of the primary focus. And then, um, you know, over the course of that first year, expanding to uh, to other counties and, uh, you know, new populations of members and getting them engaged in these programs. Right. Um, you know, really, it was really kind of, the reason I say it's kind of a whirlwind is it was taking, you know, five years, 10 years of, of pilots and all these other different efforts and just saying, hey, 
let's move forward full steam and 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 get this to everyone right and and it's been a, a super heavy list day in and day out i think um you know an anthem isn't unique to this i think this is true of of any health plan as well as the the providers and the community-based partners we're working with every day it's it's you know uh a marathon just to to work through like the operations and and really you know get things working as a as a well-oiled machine so that we can keep focusing on the individuals right and so sometimes you, you lose sight of of the end result but every once in a while we stop and we start talking about the people that we're serving and and looking at the impact that we're having on their lives and and you know it immediately makes everything else go away right and to me that's the best thing when i where, you know, over the course of the first two years, looking at things like, okay, well, how many people did we successfully transition in the beginning? And, and how are the programs starting to grow, right? And you start listening to the member success stories of individuals who, you know, were really struggling with their health and disconnected from, from care altogether, except for when they were going to the emergency room. And now they've kind of taken re-control of their lives, right? And gotten themselves in a much better place because of things we're doing in enhanced care management or because some of the community supports that we're providing or or things um, things like housing, you know, the housing-based services, housing navigation. Um, you know, I've, I've, a couple of weeks ago, we, we were having this conversation and, you know, we did, we, we were doing housing pilots pre-Calame you know, smaller base pilots in a, a couple of counties and, you know, getting a couple of people housed, but, you know, really experiencing some of the struggles in doing that, right? And, you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, we were having this conversation internally where, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, uh, some sort of operational issue. I don't remember what it was, but it's like one of one of those stumbling blocks along the way, right? And and we're talking through it and, and you know, somebody from our team said, mentioned that, uh, you know, our, our service coordinators, you know, we're housing so many people, like the service coordinators are like having a competition. And it was like in the middle of this conversation, and I was like, wait, let's stop talking about all this other stuff. And let's focus on that, right? And think about what you just said, because in our pilots, we struggled. 10 years ago, like there was no connection between housing and what health plans are doing, right? And now we're talking about, you know, being able that we're housing so many people on a monthly basis. And we have so many people engaged in housing navigation that our team's turned it into a, like a competition, right? And they're like keeping tallies and saying, look, I got more people housed than you did, you know, and, and I've got better connections with my providers than you do. And, and like, that's, that's amazing. You know, we've, we've, we've come to that point at the end of two years. And to me, that's, that's where the best, the best success is. Um, you know, and, and, you know, that's not a result of, of our efforts, just our efforts at a health plan, right? Like that is directly like the partnerships that we have built and the relationships we've built with community-based organizations who were never working with health plans before, you know, to be able to have those partnerships in place and, and see them working in, in such a, uh, uh, I, I guess a successful and, and having those strong relationships just at the end of two years, which is, I mean, to me, it's just amazing because this is something that could have taken 10 years to figure out and get to the point where, you know, you really get that, that kind of feel good uh, moment of integration. And, you know, I, I feel like we've, we've been able to get there a lot quicker than anticipated. That's fantastic. So um, usually it's uh, you said quicker than anticipated. I know often it's a slow roll and I'm sure there were moments of mm -hmm. slower than you wanted, or maybe utilization and people being aware of the benefits with Calam where, where we wanted it as a collective, um, 
you know, group in California wanted them to be, but it sounds like you've been pretty, pretty, pretty happy uh, for the first two years. Now, uh, you mentioned population. So just a reminder, or for folks who are not too familiar with the CalAIM initiative, when Bo says populations, uh, part of the CalAIM initiative was to have the health plans and providers focus on certain uh, pop- what they call populations of focus. So for example, that could be individuals uh, that uh, dealt with incarceration uh, or maybe labeled justice and in- justice involved. Um, it may be uh, children and youth. So uh, those are some examples. And I encourage you um, to listen to other episodes of Pop Health Podcast where we focus on the CalAIM and kind of break down CalAIM. In today's episode, we're not going to do that. Um, but some of the things Bo is talking about um, can be uh, picked up on in other episodes. So as we wrap up today's episode, Bo, what are you most looking forward to uh, in 2024? Is there anything different in 2024 that you guys will be focused on or working on? Uh, yeah, 2024 is a big year. I, you know, I think for for health plans across the state, there are uh, you know a lot of changes in in our relationship with the state and the expectations from the state. Um, uh, a lot of uh, new expectations around how do you take all of these services that we've we've now built under CalAIM and and how how do you integrate that into our overall quality management uh, programs and and how does that impact the quality of care that's being provided right also um, a lot of new focus on on health equity uh, and ensuring that you know all members are, are getting the right level of care and the right types of services provided to them and um, so I'm, I'm excited about those. I, I'm also excited. You mentioned the justice involved. I'm excited about that. I, I think, you know, that's a, a population of, of focus that is going live in, in January. Um, and, you know, that's kind of a whole new level of integration. Like, how do we work with county jail and county probation? How do we work with the state prison system to make sure that people who are exiting those systems and have these, uh, you know, complex health care needs actually get the care that they need as they're transitioning out, which is, which is a huge gap, right? So, yeah. so I'm excited about that. Um, I think the other thing that I'm excited about, I, I don't know if you've done a, a podcast on this, it may be a future topic, but, uh, you know, some of the, the movements around the state's uh, data exchange framework expectations and, you know, more integration with health, health information exchanges, more integration between the health plans and, and uh, electronic medical record systems, um, more data sharing with counties, um, you know, with other partners in the community. I mean, you know, when we, when we talk about, you know, all of these services now being more integrated, you know, it's great that we've gotten to a point where, uh, you know, counties and health plans and community-based organizations aren't just operating in their own silos, right? We're trying to connect the dots and, and, and coordinate, but when you don't have the data being exchanged to do that, you know, it makes it a lot more complex. And I, I think that, you know, it's, it's going to take several years to get to kind of the long-term vision of what data exchange is going to do, but it is, it is going to break down uh, a lot of barriers. And, you know, I'll, I'll give you one, one quick example. Um, where data is so important. And I'm, I'm gonna go back to the homeless uh, population. Um, you know, I mentioned 10 years ago, you know, in the health plan world, you know, we, we weren't doing anything around homelessness. And I, I specifically remember, you know, at one point we, you know, and this was uh, pre, pre-Anthem, you know, we, we thought, well, you know, we've probably got some, some members who are experiencing homelessness and so maybe we should get engaged. And so we went and we talked to uh, the local continuum of care, which controls the uh, homeless management information system, right? Which is 
you know, won't get too deep into the weeds and what that is, but it's data on people who are getting homeless services, right? Right. Point is, 10 years ago, it's like, but you're the health plan. Like, you guys don't need this. Like, there's no connection, right? Um, Over the course of the last year, through some of our work under CalAIM, we now have connection to the homeless information system, management information system in every one of our counties. And the ability that we have now to identify when our members are experiencing homelessness and to better connect to providers who are already serving them and figure out where are the gaps and what are the other things that we need to provide, it's made a huge difference, right? And we we just started getting access to that data. And so you think about it like that's one component of data exchange and, and part of the vision, but I think it you know, really illustrates the impact that that more robust data exchange is going to have. Yeah, I love I, I love the example you gave uh, on the population of folks experiencing homelessness because data. When you men- when you mentioned, uh, have we done an episode on data? I wasn't going to say this out loud, but uh, it can be a pretty dense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it can but the, be. But the example you gave, like you said, it illustrates the benefit. So maybe we will do an episode. I'll, I'll need to have a lot of stories and to make it uh, exciting. Right, uh, right. So just side note, we actually just did a rapid improvement event. Uh, in the pod, again, folks, podcast is just something, a very small percentage of my time. I have a day job too. And as I mentioned a couple of times already, but uh, we actually did do a, a three-day rapid improvement event on how to get data in a place to deliver to the anthems of the world the monthly mm-hmm. you know all of that so we haven't done an episode on it yet but it's definitely like on my mind and if i can if you maybe if you have a recommendation of someone who can make it fun uh <laughs> i might be interested uh, but uh, we're, we're gonna wrap up now bo i just want to say thank you so much um folks i i got to see bo i've uh, interacted with him just very briefly over the years um saw him at a recent conference he was uh i think getting food and i interrupted him <laughs> and asked if he'd consider being on the show and um, you've been really kind to spend some time with us today, Bo. So if folks want to stay up to tune on uh, what's happening with Anthem and the Medi-Cal initiative, um, are you active on LinkedIn or is there a website? Should folks just go to the Anthem website? How can folks keep up to date on Anthem in, in California? Uh, yeah, good question. I mean, we, we are active on LinkedIn um, uh, in general and, and you know, a couple of other of the, uh, the social media platforms. Um, our, our website, Definitely, that's a good starting point. You know, we do have information on CalAIM and, and enhanced care management, community supports, and some of the other initiatives. Uh, some of the things that we're working on may not may not be there yet, but they they will be at some point. So those are those are those are good starting points. Awesome, though. Well, hey, really again, appreciate you uh, being on the show today. And folks, again, feel free to check out other episodes um, on the CalAIM initiative. We'll continue focusing on that in 2024 as well. Thanks again, Bo. All right, thank you. Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of Pop Health Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode. And if you have and want to check out other episodes, visit us at pophealthpodcast.com, iTunes or Apple Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and now YouTube as well. Take care.